Welcome to Rhyme and Reason, hosted by Dr. Barry. Today, Barry welcomes assistant coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, Vin Baker. And now, here's Dr. Barry Ryman. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 22, the double deuce on the Rhyme and Reason podcast. Sorry for the late start today. We are experiencing some technical difficulties behind the scenes. Um, we got Vin on and it looks like he is somewhere in a hotel and it doesn't look like his service is very good. We got an, a video of him up, uh, but he couldn't hear us saying anything. So uh, my producer, Greg, is behind the scenes working on that as we speak. So I'm hoping we can get this to work. Uh, I don't know where in the world Vin is today. Uh, but based off the video I just saw of him, it looked like he was in some kind of hotel and potentially even maybe using his phone as the video source. So, you know, with that being said, uh, what a week. Um, it's good to be back here. It is really good to be hosting this show again. And I'm even more excited for the guest I have on today. Um, I'm a little nervous uh, on whether he's actually going to be able to hear us or we're going to be able to hear him. So more will be revealed about that. Um, a little backstory uh, on, on how I met Vin. Uh, this was probably five years ago or so. Um, I was driving home from work and, uh, you know, most of anybody who tunes into the show already knows that um, I like sports, and so I was listening to some sports talk radio, and I don't think Vin even knows the story, but I was listening to the Dan Lebitard show, and he was interviewing Vin Baker. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe, were in town that night to play the Heat, and so it was just apropos that they had Vin on, and he was telling the most amazing story of redemption. And I did not know, and, and I had followed him as a basketball player in the early and mid-90s, uh, but I did not know that he struggled with addiction. And he got very vulnerable and very honest on this radio interview. And I had pulled up to my house, and I literally just parked in my driveway, and I stayed in my car to, to finish out this interview. It went on for like another 15 minutes. And I went inside just saying to myself, I somehow uh, need to get in touch with Mr. Vin Baker. And I, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. So he had talked about on this radio interview, the, the Bouncing Back Foundation. So I looked that up and I found this guy, his name is RJ. I found his phone number and I said, what the hell? I'm going to give this a shot. And I give RJ a call and RJ actually answers. And, and uh, I must have sounded like a crazy person. I said, look, RJ, my name is Barry. And I was just driving home and I was listening to this radio interview and Vin Baker was on and I need to meet this guy. And, and he kind of said to me, like, who the F are you? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so, I'm in recovery. Just his story really resonated with me. And I wound up staying on the phone with RJ I don't know, for about uh, 45 minutes. And the heat game was on and we were talking trash back and forth. He was going from Milwaukee and I was going from Miami. And at the end of the conversation, he says, look, um, I'm going to see Vin this weekend. 
I'll let him know that I spoke with you. And if he's interested, I'll connect it to you guys. And I said, all right, sounds great. That's the best I could hope for. And sure enough, on Sunday, I got put into a group message with Vin and RJ. And that was the, the blossoming of what I would consider a pretty good friendship. Um, I wound up talking on the phone with Vin. We spoke for a while. We talked recovery. We talked all things. And um, for as many differences of our history, our past, right? I've never been a NBA player. Um, I, I, I didn't grow up um, in the spotlight. I'm not seven feet tall, right? There was one common bond we had, which was the disease of addiction. And um, the Bucks, of course, were in the playoffs that year. And uh, I wanted to arrange a meeting with Vin. And then eventually, I believe they got knocked out of the Eastern Conference Finals. So it took us till uh, April or May. And Vin hopped on a plane and actually flew out to Austin and met me out there and toured around Recovery Unplugged. And we've been, you know, uh, close ever since. He is a phenomenal human being. Uh, forget about all of his accolades and we'll discuss them, but forget about that for a second. He has a heart of gold. He is humble. He does not forget where he came from. Um, I mean, this guy is seven feet tall, and, and we'll get into the story, but he became a barista at Starbucks after his NBA career, before rejoining the Milwaukee Bucks in his current role. Um, so super humble, super awesome, um, and it looks like he's going to be calling me over the phone. So let's see what happens here, if I can potentially bring him on. Uh, we're going to see how this works. Uh, Greg, are you there? All right. You want to come on camera, Greg, and kind of talk a little bit and, and tell us what's going on? There he is. Sure. Absolutely. Hello, everybody. I am uh, behind the scenes, Greg. I produce all of our productions here. We are having some connectivity issues, um, as we do, and when guests are traveling sometimes. And so we are going to adapt and pivot. And so even though we can't bring Mr. Baker up on the screen through our streaming platform, uh, him and Barry are just going to speak. All right. Vin, you there? Yes, I am here. Okay. Um, can Greg, can we hear that on audio? Yes, we can. Crystal clear. And Vin, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you perfectly fine, yeah. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to I'm going to hold this phone up to the mic and this is a very unconventional way to, to do a podcast and I I know you just probably missed everything I just said about you. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a quick recap because I'm not even sure you know this story or not and I I probably shared it with you once or twice but we're going to talk about it again. Um I I, I was sharing with with the listeners, how I came to get in touch with you. And, and this was probably four or five years ago. I was driving home from work and you were being interviewed. I think it was the Dan Lebitard show. And the uh, Milwaukee Bucks were in town to play the Miami Heat, which is why you were playing you know, on the radio down here. And, and you were yes. so candid and so honest um, with the things that you had to say. And I remember as you know, being in high school and following you when you were in the NBA in the early 90s. And to me, it was like, wow, this guy has struggles with addiction. I never knew this. I didn't understand the concept of that. 
Um, I had no idea that you had struggled. So I sat in my car then and I finished that interview. I had gotten home and I sat another 15 minutes in my driveway because of what you were sharing was so compelling. So I, I ran inside and I researched your foundation and I found RJ's phone number and I contacted RJ and, and like a crazy person, he thought I was nuts. Oh, I'm, I'm Dr. Barry and I have to meet Vince. And he's like, who are you? And I, I told him the whole story and we wound up talking for 45 minutes. The heat game was on in the background. So, you know, he was talking all this stuff about Milwaukee and I was rooting for the heat. And he's like, look, I'll tell you what, I'm going to meet Vin uh, sometime this weekend. I'll see him. I'm going to tell him that, you know, you called and, and if he's interested, I'll put you in a group message together. And, and, and that was the start. And I don't know if you knew that. I don't know, you know, if you understood how I actually got in touch with you, but that was the story yes. behind it. Yeah, no, I do know that. I, I do know that Dr. Barry and, and uh, we've been great friends ever since. I, I'm grateful that I got an opportunity to be on the call today. I'm grateful for you. Uh, obviously, grateful for my sobriety and, and us meeting at this at this place in our lives. So, really ecstatic to be on the show today. I'm sorry with the technical difficulties, but I think I can share um, with my voice. I'm, I'm just again grateful for the opportunity and. And great for you, Dr. Barry, and, and uh, us meeting as friends. And I do know that story, how RJ uh, connected with you. And it's, it's a great story. <laughs> I thought so, too. And, 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 and listen, for all the listeners that are out there, like, you know, if something resonates with you, and this is in life, right? Uh, normally, you know, that's a gut instinct that you should try to go after that. And, and you know, that's not always the case, right? I mean, I could resonate with... Uh, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, and I'm not going to get in touch with him that night, but you know, uh, which I wouldn't resonate with Michael Jordan. I prefer you, Vince. So we'll just, we'll, we'll just, <laughs> you're well, Mike, Michael's, Michael's my big bro. He's a good, he's a good person to resonate <laughs> with too. <laughs> Listen, you're my favorite gold medalist. We'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you, Dr. Murray. So I just want to say, a um, w- number one, where are you right now? Um, so I'm taking a mini mini vacation um, and uh, took a few just a few days off. I, I was uh, I went to Greece earlier in the summertime uh, to spend some time with Giannis uh, prior to him going to play in the Euros, and then I, I had the opportunity to coach uh, the Milwaukee Bucks summer league team this year. So just taking a few days off, and, and I'll be back to work on, on Monday, but took a couple of days off just to relax and, and, and have a good conversation with you. I love that, man. And and um, what do you do, Vin, typically to relax? Are you laying by the pool? Are you reading the book? What are you doing to relax? Like, what does that look like for you? So typically, Dr. Bear, I, I just like to, you know, sleep and watch TV. Uh, I, I, I don't do... You know, the NBA season is 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 so filled with entertainment. Uh, the time is is really uh, a lot as far as practices, games, travel. Um, so there's really not a lot of time during the season um, to really get away. So um, when I do get the opportunity, and I've been pretty much going the last three or four years, traveling to Greece quite a bit uh, with Giannis, working the summer league as well with the Bucks. Uh, so it's, it's been really, you know, nonstop for me, which is a total blessing. I'm, no complaints here. And but when I do get the t- chance for some R and R, it's really kind of uh, reading, relaxing. And uh, I've gotten a chance to teach a few Bible studies at my dad's church 
over the phone. So it's just been real relaxing for me. You know us, Dr. Barry, we, we live life on life's terms and, and uh, I'm finding a ton of enjoyment doing that. I'm obviously finding a ton of enjoyment uh, coaching Milwaukee Bucks, being assistant coach with the Bucks. So this rest and relaxation is, is much needed and then I'll be ready to go on Monday. I don't. I don't know if there's anybody more deserving that works any harder than you do. So I, I, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for making the time to come on this show today. Um, even though you're relaxing, resting, and you're on vacation, so I, I know what the grind is like. Um, and, and you're not um, seeing the comments on here, but it says Vin or Barry don't have drinking or drug problems, but trying to recover from anxiety. Don't know how to on most days, but sometimes I can handle it, but sometimes I can't. How do you guys do it on and off the floor? So, and, you know, you're not, unfortunately, seeing the comments that are coming in, but I'm going to try to relay them this way so you get an idea yep. of what the what the listeners are saying. And, and to that point, you know, everybody, in my opinion, has got to have some kind of hobby. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I just recently took up golf. And it's a really good thing because I'm flying to Milwaukee um, for your golf tournament on uh, yes. on, on Monday, August 29th. So yeah. I, I've been taking lessons. I've had six lessons, and I've played so far three 18 holes of golf. And you know, I'm going to try to come out there and not embarrass myself. But, <laughs> but I do believe that you know some kind of hobby, some kind of stress relief. Um, and you know, for anybody, whether it's the gym, I was with my trainer this morning working out, you know, we, we have to get out of our own heads. If we live in our heads, it becomes a bad neighborhood. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree, Dr. Barry. I, I love to be in the gym, uh, working out guys, uh, you know, in the off days when we don't have games, uh, guys will call and we'll get in the gym and get like an hour in. Um, I also like to, uh, you know, I like to teach Bible study at my dad's church. We, we're still doing conference calls. So I like to teach. I like to obviously read my Bible, um, meditate, um, and just spend time just really relaxing in my mind. Like, again, there's so much going on. Like, the biggest thing I try to do is prioritize what I have going on because it's, it's just important that we stay, list the things, the priorities, uh, a schedule, an itinerary. So um, just reading for me when I'm not in the gym and uh, spending a lot of downtime, just giving my, my brain a break uh, from all the things. There's a lot of things that go on in all of our lives. And so for me, it's meditation, it's prayer, it's reflecting, um, I, you know, just having this opportunity to be, you know, 12 years sober uh, my my memory, my mind is functional. I'm doing the right things, thinking about the right things all the time. And so I just have to make sure I'm scheduling and, and making an itinerary and making things um, a priority. But the biggest thing is for me is control what I can control. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, that sounds easier. It's I think that's easier said than done. But control, biggest thing for me is control what you can control. And, and don't spread your self too thin over promising and over promising and under delivering i really like that i mean that's a a really deep statement control what you can control and it sounds so simple right but if you think about 
what do they say about 90% of the stuff that we worry about never actually comes to fruition. And, and yeah. I, I know there's people out there that need to hear this right now. And it reminds me of the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Control, yes. <laughs> control what you can control and leave the other stuff aside. And, and I, I need that reminder, even as somebody who's been in recovery a really long time, because, you know, sometimes we get in our heads and, uh, you know, Anthony, again, just chimed in, love to try to control what I can, but don't know how sometimes. And, and listen, life is a learning process, and, and that's what yeah. we do. Um, I want to pivot a little bit, Vin, because normally sure. um, today I just kind of gave an intro of, of how I met you, but I didn't tell the listeners, mm -hmm. you know, who maybe aren't familiar with basketball um, or your story, who you are. So, you know, just so you guys know, Vin was an NBA first round draft pick in 1993. Um, if my memory serves me correct, he was at the University of Hartford, which hadn't which hadn't seen a star like him in forever, right? I mean, I, I remember you shared with me or showed me just covers of you on Sports Illustrated and and you know the different um, magazines that you were in because you were larger than life. You know your personality, your size. And, and the likes of the University of Hartford had never seen an athlete like you before. But anyways, he went in the first round, had an amazing NBA career, um, was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, and then played yep. for them for a number of years, and then eventually got traded to – and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not looking at Wikipedia now. I'm kind of doing this by memory. But you were traded to the Seattle Supersonics for Sean Kemp. Uh, yes, who was also larger than life. Um, I, I remember that. I, I think I had a pair of his sneakers when I was a kid. Um, yes. And then, you know, he, you know, Vin fell on hard times. And but it was his relationship with the owner of the then Seattle Supersonics, which was Howard Schultz. And Howard is, as you guys know, the owner of Starbucks. It was your relationship with Howard that became pivotal into your transition on from the NBA and into your recovery journey. Is that, is yes. that accurate? Yes, that, that's, that, yeah, that's accurate. Howard um, is a good friend. And, you know, when I, I was probably a year into my sobriety, one or two years into my sobriety and I reached out to Howard and I just called him and, you know, I, I literally hit rock bottom in every sense of my life and, every sense of the phrase financially, spiritually, physically. And so when I got back, when I, when I sobered up for a year, I think it was year one, maybe going into year two, I, I reached out to Howard and I said, you know, I, I need to get back into working. And when he picked up the phone, he was so excited and, um, you know, connected me to, uh, Dr. Calvin Butts, the Abyssinian Baptist church in Harlem, New York. And I went there for my, master's program and then that's kind of how uh things got the ball rolling with me getting back into the things that i'm doing now but yes howard played a very pivotal role in in helping me on my journey on my sobriety journey and i'm, I'm so grateful for him and his family jordan and, and, and miss sherry schultz as well i mean and, and you're leaving out a, a, an interesting tidbit because you hold the record right now for the world's tallest barista to ever work at Starbucks. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I do. Like, I, I, I'm so happy, and I'm glad you brought that up, Dr. Barry, because it was one of the, I worked there for a year. I was a manager at, like, four, or assistant manager at, like, four or five different stores. And I, I might hold the record for the tallest barista, but I might hold a bunch of dubious records for like the worst timing of getting a coffee prepared. Like I was like so out of my element, uh, trying to trying to be, and I was trying to be great. It wasn't like I was just going through the most. I was trying to be great at my job, great at my craft, great at my profession. But it was just a great, great moment in my life where. I learned so much from being at Starbucks, like the humility part. Like it was, it was amazing because people would come into the store when I first started working there. I was working in Kingston, Rhode Island, and I was training. And people would come in the store and look at me. And I'm only 45 minutes from Connecticut, from my hometown, <laughs> like an hour from Hartford. So it's not like people don't know. I'm, I'm in that area, and people are like looking, like, is this some kind of joke, or is this some kind of? Are we about to be punked or something? Like I'm coming. <laughs> From behind the counter, I'm getting drinks. I'm taking names. I'm getting bagels. I'm, I'm doing the whole nine. But it was, it was, it was really, really, really a great experience. And, and Dr. Barry, I'll be honest. I would not trade. Like I, I you, you mentioned the All Star Games and the, the, the All NBA and the Olympics. I wouldn't trade my year at Starbucks in for anything because it, it just put me in a place where I needed to you know, just hit refresh and hit the restart button of what's important in life. And and, and we, we talked about controlling what you can control. Like I had no pressures other than the obvious of the job, but it was like, I'm going to be the best manager. I can, the best barista I can possibly be. And I, I learned so much from being in that moment. It, it was directly connected to my healing, my sobriety, um, my mental health, it just helped me in so many facets of my life. And it, in, in, a, in a weird kind of way, it prepared me to become an MBA assistant coach um, and it just in so many different ways. But I'm so grateful for that moment and season in my life. Um, it's, it's anything that I can say, well, how did you get back with the Bucks? There's a ton of ways I could say I got to coach a world championship basketball team. But I will tell you that a large part of it started with my journey at Starbucks. I think it's it's really interesting that you say that. And, and just to kind of provide a little bit of background for the listeners that don't know your story, you were not just a bench warmer in the NBA. You you yeah. made you know one hundred million dollars playing yes. in the NBA. You know between contracts and endorsements and all that stuff. So. Yeah. If we want to talk about one of my favorite words, which is humility, okay, and 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 listen, I'm going to tell you this, right? I, I became a doctor of psychology. However, when I was early in recovery and I was in grad school, I worked as a shift manager at Einstein Brothers Bagels, okay, and I'd get there at, you know, I'd wake up at 5 a.m. I was there at 5:30 in the morning, and it introduced me to what real life was like to be a part of something, right? You know, Bob would come in and Bob would be like, hey, Barry. I'd be like, hey, Bob, the usual. Like, I felt like for the first time I fit. But then I would have, you know, kids that, that I grew up with that were now already attorneys. They're in medical school. They're in law school. 
and I'm asking them if they want their bagel scooped and toasted. You know what I mean? And I, 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 I never shared with one person while I worked for those three and a half years at Einstein's, I never shared with one of the customers that I was in grad school to become a doctor. Because for me, it was the humility aspect. And that doesn't mean that working at Einstein's is a terrible job, right? I miss right. those days. I miss those days of simplicity. I miss those days of interacting with the community, um, you know, on, on, a, on a different level. And I think that, yes. you know, sometimes, and it shows me, you know, your story, and I'm sure the listeners can, can relate to this, that from your stature and where you were and the money that you made and the spotlight you were in and the magazine covers you were on, and the all-star games you were in, and at the Olympics, and winning a gold medal, for you to hold the dubious record of slowest coffee ever made, but enjoy it, is, you know, really tells me that the depths your addiction took you to, right, that this is something that you needed. And, and listen, absolutely, absolutely. I could be wrong, right, but I, I do think that anybody you know, who has done what you've done, accomplished what you've accomplished, and then to turn around and, and hey, you know, it helps. You were hooked up by the owner of Starbucks to get your job. Great. But you know what? You showed up for a year. And, and yeah. it was these little baby steps. You know, I, I work with a lot of people in recovery, right, that come out of treatment. And when we suggest taking a job at Starbucks or at Dunkin' Donuts or at Einstein Brothers Bagels, right, instead of immediately going into a call center to sell some phony ass scam insurance, right? So they can make the quick bucks. They all scoff at it like, oh no, well, you don't understand. I have a college degree. And I'm like, I don't care what kind of degree you have, right? This is what you need right now. This is a job that you can work at during the day that's not going to take away your evenings where you could still make your intensive outpatient groups or you could still make your 12-step meetings and build yourself a little bit of a solid foundation before you venture off into what we would like to call a career, right? So Absolutely. And I, I'll double down on what you just said, Dr. Barry. Like, I think the biggest thing that, that helped me in that moment, in that season of my life, is I didn't have, like, for, for me to go into Starbucks and work, like, I had to, like, erase all the, 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 uh, the stardom of being an MB, all the things that we mentioned, all that stuff was out the window. Like I had to, I was prioritizing when I had the hundred million bucks, I was prioritizing my reputation. I was prioritizing my game. I was prioritizing making more all-star games, winning championships, making it to the playoffs. When I got to Starbucks and, you know, by now it had been a trend, it, it, it trended that I was working there, former NBA all-star, loses a hundred billion now works at Starbucks. That's that, that was the story. But what people don't realize as that was the headline, as it should have been like, that was a moment in my life where I got an opportunity to prioritize my sobriety. And yeah, I want people to come and sit. It wasn't like, you know, it was tough. My first three or four days, I'd be lying to say it wasn't tough. My first four or five days walking out from behind with this green apron that was way too short but <laughs> i got a chance i got a chance to prioritize personally for me my sobriety like i didn't have any fanfare there wasn't anyone watching to see if i 
I, I got a chance to, and it was either I was going to prioritize my sobriety, forget about all the great stuff that I did as a pro and say, my sobriety, this job comes first. And, and like you, you alluded to Dr. Barry, I showed up every single day. I figured out, I found out what a clopin was. I closed Starbucks. I opened Starbucks and, and, and for me, I felt like I was getting stronger. I felt like I was getting better. I, I, I didn't look at it. I didn't view my job at Starbucks the way anyone else viewed it. I felt like I was growing as a person by working uh, at Starbucks. And um, I, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't trade that experience in. Like I wouldn't trade in the gold medals, the all-star. I wouldn't trade my experience at, at Starbucks um, in for the world. And then you wound up writing a book, God and Starbucks, right? Um, I believe yes. it was, let me see, God and Starbucks. It was an yes. NBA superstar's journey through addiction and recovery. Yeah, I, I partnered with uh, HarperCollins uh, and wrote a book, basically like a memoir, kind of talking about my NBA career, all the pitfalls, things that happened to me during the course of my career uh, that led me into addiction. And then I talked about, you know, how I, you know, found my sobriety. It took a while. It, it was a journey. Uh, and so the book was just a, an opportunity for me to share my story so that, you know, we, we, we're not professional athletes sometimes have this aura of invincibility. And so God and Starbucks, the book I wrote is just talking about we're, we're not invincible. We're susceptible to anything at any time. Um, any disease, anything can happen in our lives. And, but more importantly, how do we, how do we start? Um, how do we change our lives around? How do we, you know, use what we have and use what we've been through uh, to come through what we need to come through? Through, through uh, my research, I just found a quote from Howard Schultz, the CEO and founder of Starbucks. And it says, I have known Vin Baker for a very long time, going back to his days as an enormously likable and talented professional basketball player who struggles with addiction and anxiety, derailed what may have been a magnificent NBA career. I have also had the pleasure of watching Vin humbly and heroically rebuild his life from the ground up. That journey of redemption of finding salvation through family and faith and the simple pleasures of doing an honest day's work is at once heartbreaking and hopeful and is captured brilliant, brilliantly in Vin's memoir. God in Starbucks is a powerful and moving story written with fearless candor by a man who I am proud to call my friend. I mean, yeah, what a testimony awesome. that is. Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome that, that, that Howard... Uh, and again, he's a good friend and his family, great friends of mine. And, and and I think one of the things he said in there that kind of sparked another thought in my mind, Dr. Bear, is like, the one thing I want people who are listening to know that your journey um, through addiction, disease, alcoholism, whatever, it, it's, it's part of the journey. Like, as much as I wouldn't trade in the Starbucks piece, I feel like what I've gone through as a professional athlete, being at the top of the mountain, going all the way to the bottom of the mountain and in some spaces, the valley, it's made me who I am today. Like, so 
I appreciate the journey. I appreciate every part of the journey. Um, and so I, I want to encourage folks who are, who are maybe at some point of the journey and it seems bleak and dark, that it is a journey. Like it, and, and at some point, that dark place is going to be hindsight and it's going to, you're going to feel stronger. You're going to feel better once you've gotten to that place um, where you're at peace with everything that you've gone through and everything that you've done. I, I can't, I wouldn't at 50 years old for so many years, Dr. Barry, everyone wanted the story to be Ben Baker loses a hundred million dollars. And, and, and that, that was a story. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'd always say to people like, think about this for two seconds. Like if you had a Lamborghini and God forbid you crashed it on the side of the road and it was totally totaled and you get out and you're healthy and you walk away from it. And every, all everyone wants to talk about is how the Lamborghini was crashed. Right. And how, how messed up the Lamborghini is. But for me, uh, saving my life was much more important than saving my career. And and there's, and those are two different things. So I, I, I know now in hindsight that everything that I went through was for a reason. Mm. I don't, I don't, I want, I don't want to change it because everything that I went through was for a purpose. And got you to um, where you're at today. And got me to where I'm, I'm at today. And, and as you know, I don't know if you, you, you were going to mention this, Dr. as you know, you know, with the foundation and now with the recovery centers, it's, it's just, there's opening up two recovery centers in, in Wisconsin is amazing. I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to write this story myself. And so I'm so blessed to have gone through what I've gone through. And now I have the opportunity to pay it forward. I have the opportunity to go back and save my brothers, help save my brothers and sisters. Yes, sir. I mean, we're, we're definitely going to get to that. I want to, I want to yeah. I, I hear in your estimation, you know, essentially what, and, and this is just for the listeners to know where you come from, like, where, where, what, what was your, how would you classify your bottom? What did that look like? The, you know, what, what led you out of the NBA? What led you to get to a place where you became so desperate and willing to get help? What did your life look like at that point? And, and you could share what your life was like before that, you know, that led you to, to where you wound up. Well, for me, you know, I, I didn't drink uh, alcohol since I was a junior in college. So I, I, I didn't really have the background of it. You know, our parents, my dad's a, a Baptist pastor, mom, first lady of the church. So I didn't really have, I, I grew up just with them and they were very strict. So my first drink came when I was a junior in college. And um, I think by the time I would say my sixth or seventh year in the NBA, is when I started to, or fifth year in the NBA, I started to really drink more. And and to be honest with you, Dr. Barry, I, I was drinking like every day, but it really didn't affect me. Like it, I was I was drinking, but I was like playing basketball. I'm at the height of my career. I'm partying. And it feels like professional athlete, this is what we do. We party hard and we play hard. We play harder and we party hard. And so it didn't really hit me in 1997 and 98 that, this could potentially be an issue. Mm. And so I would say my bottom came when we had a lockout in 1999. I want to say 1999, 98, 99 season. We had a lockout. And over that time, 
of the lockout, I was drinking like every single day, not thinking anything of it. Like the season's not going to start. We're just going to, you know, resume next season, the following season. And I was like drinking out of control. So the season started. And once the season started, I was out of shape. I didn't realize that the liquor was would put so much weight on me. So I, I, I got all this weight put on. And I went to a game one, one night, Dr. Barry, and I'm at the free throw line. I didn't know what withdrawals were. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that I was partying all the time. And like the past, I'll figure it out. Well, I went to a game and I literally was at the free throw line. I wasn't a great free throw shooter to begin with, but I'm literally at the line shaking. My body's like trembling and I can't even, I don't know, it's out of control. And so, you know, um, I realized at that point that I was having withdrawals. And so one of the low points that, one of the low points was me realizing that I had to drink alcohol thinking I had to drink alcohol prior to games in order to stop the shake. So that was a a real, real low point of my career in life was having to drink alcohol prior to basketball games in order for me to be normal. And, and, and the tough part for me wasn't like, I did it obviously, but the tough part for me was like, I can't tell anyone and I'm sick. I can't tell anyone that I have to drink alcohol prior to games just to be functional. Mm-hmm. And so I literally lived a whole season or half a season that year drinking prior to games. It was just so it was it was it was just a, a really and then of course after you know a few years I was traded to the Celtics. Um, going back to New England, I'm from Connecticut, so I was traded to the great Boston Celtics. And then, you know, I had this, I was an alcoholic. I was traded, but I was an alcoholic. And again, I couldn't say anything, or at least I thought I couldn't say anything to anyone. And my, I would say my professional low point, one of them came when uh, I had to, the Boston Celtics had to terminate my contract uh, because of the alcoholism. And How did that they, come to light? And, like, what did they say? Well, first of all, they gave me every opportunity and helped me on every, you know, every day I had great support from the Celtics to try to get healthy. And I just wasn't in a place. So how it looked, Dr. Barry, I'd show up the same way I was doing in Seattle the previous year. I was showing up, squeaking of alcohol, smelling of alcohol. My game was just totally all over the place. I was playing poorly. And so, you know, the rumors, the conversation started to swirl is, you know, am am I drinking too much or do I have an issue? And of course, my stinking thinking, I would deny, deny, deny and figure out a way to keep lying about it. And so ultimately, you know, I was I was tested. I was tested for it Um, each day. I I entered a program to be tested for it and I obviously failed every test. Mm. And so that led to. That led to the termination of the contract. And at that time, Dr. Barry, I think I had like 30 to $40 million left on my deal. Um, and so I was told. Which back then, by the way, just to put it in perspective, back then, that's a huge deal. Okay. And, and that's, I, the big, that's the big deal. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the max deal. Like, you know, I know today 
your boy Giannis, you know, who who you are very, very, very close with, the Greek freak. He got like mm-hmm. a two hundred and what? What's his deal? Two hundred and two twenty. Two hundred. Yeah, two hundred and twenty like million. Yeah. So the deal you had back then, you know, in the late nineties, is you know when we take into account inflation. Yes. I mean, that's close yes. to you know what you as a player would have garnered in today's NBA. Yep. Exactly. That that deal that I signed with Seattle was a max deal. It was it was similar to all the. 220s the 180s it was it was similar to that deal so you know that was um that was a point where when they terminated the contract it 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 was terrible but i have to say this dr bear i don't i don't want to get like too far removed from the 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 beauty of and the the blessing and the grace and the favor of all this is like when they terminated my contract it was embarrassing it was hurtful but for me, something had to give. Like I had to have something drastic happen. And it wasn't like I got sober right after that happened, but I had to, it was the beginning of the end for my NBA career. Mm. And for so for my sobriety to begin, my, my NBA career, the whole comeback kid, the whole I want to be an all-star kid, that had to end. That had to be buried in order for me to start my journey to sobriety. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the 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 you did not have the capacity to get better doing what you were doing in the situation you were no. in, left to your own devices. Not not, not at all. I, I and it's very difficult. And I will say this on record, Doctor Barry, it's not impossible. Um, but when you're in a situation where it's your career, your family or the addiction, I would go on record and saying prioritize the addiction. Too often, like in my case, I was trying to salvage my career, salvage my reputation. And by salvaging those things, I kept finding finding myself needing to medicate more, needing to drink more. So one had to go in order for one to live. In my career, I had to say, you know what, for this moment in my life, for my season in my life, this NBA thing. And I was forced into it. That, that, that wasn't a decision. It was, I was forced into it. I, I kind of stumbled for years after I was terminated. My contract was terminated by the Celtics. Interestingly enough, because I had talent still back there, teams were calling. Like I had, it was interesting. I had your beloved Miami Heat. Mm. I had um, the New York Knicks, the Toronto Raptors, the Detroit Pistons, because I still had some talent in, you know, if you got talent and in the league, and it was alcohol, so most people thought that we can fix that. You know, we can we can get past the eye. If it's not something deeper than alcoholism, maybe we can work with him and get him back on the right path. But in all honesty, I had to leave the game of basketball together, or the game of basketball left me in order for me to realize that I need to take my sobriety. I need to prioritize my health before anything else. Love that. Bringing up the Miami Heat, did you ever have a conversation with the godfather, Mr. Pat Riley himself? Oh, my God. Pat Riley was so amazing to me. Uh, it was like, I'm not making this up. No, no one will understand this, but I'm going to say this. This is, this is a fact. So I had just been, my contract had just been terminated by the Boston Celtics. So. 
I'm at home, like, that's it. I, I'm going to hit the reset button at some point. And <laughs> then I start getting these calls from, got a call from Isaiah Thomas. I got a call from Larry Brown, who's with the Pistons. Then I get a call from uh, the, the Heat, from Coach Riley. And I flew down to Miami to meet with the Miami Heat. And I kid you not, Dr. Barry, like, I met him at this some great restaurant. It was just me and him. He brought me, like, two books and he brought me a laminated poem. I'm not making this up with my name in it. I was too done. I'm like, this is the greatest. Like a laminated poem, two books. We're going to help you out. We're going to take care of you. And it was just, I, I will always, I don't know if Coach Riley knows that or remembers that story, but he, the whole laminated poem thing blew my mind. But um, I ended up... Um, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty sure he's putting one of those laminated poems together right now for Kevin Durant, but I could be I could be wrong. <laughs> he's he's put he's I, listen since since my laminated poems he, he he's put a lot of them together. They, they've had <laughs> they've had great success, but but I ended up choosing New York. I ended up going choosing New York at the time because at that time Miami hadn't become. Miami, Miami, right? Yeah. They, they were, they, they, I think this was pre Shaquille. Oh, yeah. Shaquille was 2000, yes. 2003. Yeah. So, 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 but, but it was like special. I always, you know, have a, a great love for Coach Riley because it was genuine. It wasn't like he just popped up and we're the Miami Heat. This is Pat Riley, man. Like the Godfather. Magic Johnson, Kareem, the Godfather, bro. Yeah. He took time out of his day to, bring me uh, this bag with books and a laminated poem of my name and I'll always remember that, man. Like, always have love for Pat Riley. That's awesome. All right, so um, we're going to get into closer to present day because I want you to be able to definitely plug your new treatment centers that are opening. I want you to talk about your foundation. Before we do that, tell me about your journey. You know, you wind up, you get sober, you go away to treatment. I believe you became an ordained minister at one point. You worked at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. How did you get back involved with the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, so I I, um, I was close with Jason. Jason Kidd is my uh, Olympic teammate. Uh, I was close with uh, one of the assistant coaches, Coach Gerg, um, John Horst, uh, our general manager, great, great friend of mine. And so I had friends within the organization. And I first came back, they would fly me in town to just speak with the team. Jason, J. Kidd flew me in once to speak with the team. And so I just started like, you know, doing appearances for the team. Peter, Peter Fagan, our president, great, great friend, gave me these, this opportunity to, um, you know, do pre and post game. Like I started, you know, I, I had to build the trust back back there. It didn't happen overnight. So I was getting these appearances to come back and, you know, do autograph sessions and then, they offered me a job to, you know, do pre and post game with Fox. And um, I was in a place to do it spiritually, physically, mentally. I know the game of basketball. Um, and so they uh, they gave me a job to come back and do pre and post game. And interestingly enough, uh, when I was there for that whole year, I was, I was also like bootleg kind of coaching. I'd be at practices every day shagging basketballs and then at night I would go into the booth and do my my day job um, my, my job that they gave me and so interestingly enough when when um Jason was fired um 
a couple of the players, Jabari Parker and a couple other players were like, Vin, we want Vin to come down and kind of be our player development coach. And I moved from the booth to the sideline. And um, at the end of the year, uh, the interim coach uh, was let go as well. And then we obviously gave the job to Coach Bud. And, you know, Coach Bud blessed me with that, gave me an opportunity to be on the staff. And uh, it was it was awesome. We talked, we chatted about everything, my, my history and where I was in life. And, you know, he, he thought it was a great opportunity for me to join his staff. And I was in the right place at the right time. And, and, and the rest is kind of the rest is kind of history as far as what the Bucks have done as an organization. But it all started with, you know, me coming back and forth, doing appearances, and the, the organization just looked at, gave, you know, I've obviously had a history there playing for four years, being an all-star. But I think the one thing I, I will say, Dr. Barry, I tell people all the time is like, I did have my disease and, and my situation with my alcoholism, my reputation. But the one thing I, I did maintain is I didn't hurt anyone. I was just hurting myself. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't like, a, you know, so it wasn't when I came back the second time, there weren't people like, nah, don't let him in the door. Don't give him a five. They, they were like, you know, we're going to give him a chance. So it just worked out kind of in increments, kind of day, one day at a time, building trust with the organization. And and then uh, Coach Bud gave me the opportunity to coach. And and, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm coaching what I think is having an opportunity, what I see as the best player on the planet. And, and, and Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connington, Bobby Portis. I'm, 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 I'm getting a chance to be a part of uh, a situation that, 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 um, to your, to your demise, maybe another championship. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> uh, I'm proud to say that we, we, we came closer this past year you than did. you did. You did. You did. You, <laughs> but you absolutely, you in, absolutely did. In fairness, <laughs> in fairness to the Milwaukee Bucks. You were hampered with a, a injury to Chris Middleton. Okay, so I, I do yeah. believe that if Giannis, you know, had his sidekick near him, um, we more than likely would have been facing you guys in the Eastern Conference Finals, and not those pesky, pesky Boston Celtics, who I also, I agree. who I also hope do not add Durant to their team because that'll be a disaster, I think, for both of us. So you know. And, and- let me say this to, and let me tell a, a quick story, really quick. To, I want to give a, shout, a, a, a praise to uh, Wick Grosbeck, the, the owner of the Boston Celtics. What a, an, an amazing moment on this journey of sobriety! You meet amazing people, and then there's people in the NBA are so excited. Uh, Jeff and Gundy, I, I've run into people. They're just, uh, they're just so happy that I got this new lease on life. But anyways, we were playing the Boston Celtics. I think it was Game Six in uh, Milwaukee and I saw Wick Grosbeck and keep in mind Wick was the owner when I had my situation in Boston and it was like a obviously it wasn't a great uh, separation but again the Boston Celtics did so much for me that you know assisted me in so many ways for me to you know get sober but I just wasn't ready so an amazing moment for me out of you know equal in my opinion to winning the championship is I saw uh, Wick before the game, and he said, "I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you, and 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 um, I want to 
make a donation to your foundation. I want to find out more about your foundation. It was just a special, special moment. Here's a guy, you know, I don't know, 15 years, I don't know the timing, 17 years that, you know, we had this, this kind of bump in the road for his organization and me personally. And we got a chance to see each other and talk and celebrate this sobriety together. Now they kicked our butts. They went on to beat us, but it was just a special, special moment that I shared with, um, prior to prior to um you know playing them that night so I, I you know you know as well as i do dr barry like living life on life terms and living a sober life there, there's a lot of wonderful benefits um a lot of wonderful people that uh will help and 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 and, and, and want you to do well so I, I just wanted to share that quick story that and there's a lot of those, but it, that, that one kind of resonates with me because we were talking about the Celtics and the, the low point of my, 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 my life. I love that, man. Every, everybody likes a feel-good story, and I'm sure, you know, him seeing you so many years later to see where you're at today, to see where, you know, you, you lived your potential. You didn't just have yeah. potential, but you lived your potential. And, and people like that stuff, man. People like people like a winner. People like a good feel-good story. People like to see somebody climb from the depths of what I would consider to be hell, you know, and come out on the other side. And, you know, really, and, and what you do, Vin, you don't just show up to work every day. You help others, okay, yeah. on and off the court, right? And, and I know you've taken – and and I would agree with you, probably the best player currently on the planet, which is Giannis Antetokounmpo, you've become um, his big brother, right? You've become yeah. that person yeah. to him that is, you know, that, that he turns to. I mean, you were in, you know, I remember last year, and I know you mentioned this year was shorter, but I think last year, weren't you in Greece with him for a number of weeks? Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm officially a citizen. I haven't got my paperwork done, but I'm an official citizen uh, in Greece. I, I spend quite a bit of time with uh, Giannis and Panasis and his whole family, Kostas and Alex, and they're just wonderful people. What a freaking so, talented family, man. He's got like 85 brothers that all play in the NBA. Exactly. And three <laughs> of them play for us, so we're, we're very fortunate. Wait, you have three now? I thought you only had two. We have Alex, the youngest, is going to be playing with our, our G League affiliate, the Wisconsin oh Herd. So we're, we're, yeah, we're pretty pumped to have all three of them on the. On you the need roster. to stop. You need to stop hogging the Greek freaks, okay? <laughs> spread some, spread no, some love. They're ours, man. They're I'm going to call Riley to make a little laminate poem for one of the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk real quick. Um, you know, we, we have a few more minutes because we started late. I, I want to yeah. hear and, and I want you to tell everybody about, first off, your foundation. And, and this is another point where I said you're helping people off the court. Tell us a little bit about your foundation and how people can find that. Yeah, so we, we are, um, started our foundation bouncing back. Um, I, me and my best friend, RJ Bunch, years ago, um, started this foundation to help those folks struggling with addiction and recovery, not just the people that need the help um, with addiction, but also families, children. And, you know, obviously I lived it uh, throughout my whole NBA career. And so it was, it was important for me, Dr. Barry, to get this platform. Now that I have this platform, 
uh, I've been blessed with a new lease on life is to start a foundation that really hits home and resonates with me and my story. And we started the Bouncing Back Foundation five, six years ago to, again, help raise money for those people who don't have the opportunity or don't have the insurance or don't have the money to get into programs, to get into Recovery Unplugged, to get into Ben Baker Recovery, to, you know, provide scholarships for those individuals um, to, to get in uh, those, those places. So, and then I, I met um, some amazing people, Michael Erico, Charles Rogers, Steve Garrow, uh, my partners, uh, we started, had a conversation months ago last year uh, during the playoffs and met these amazing people. And, and we're going to open up two uh, recovery centers in Milwaukee. Vin Baker Recovery will be in Milwaukee and there will be a Vin ba- Baker Recovery in Green Bay. And so those will be opened at the beginning of the year. Um, and I'm excited, man, like more excited more excited than I've ever been about anything in my life. Just from the standpoint, I get an opportunity to help people out and it's going to be amazing. Um, we, Charles worked hard. Michael's worked hard. Steve's worked hard. RJ's worked hard. Uh, and we've got a great mentor. I want to say this. We have a great mentor in Re- recovery unplug and great partners and great brothers in recovery unplug well as well. So, um, this, this story has come. It doesn't a lot of times, Dr. Barry. You know this as well as I do. These cir- these stories don't come full circle, but they have an opportunity to. And I have a very unique platform, a very unique testimony, um, and I'm going to use that platform and use that testimony to save as many lives as I can. Um, I'd love to win another championship. I'd love to be Giannis's coach forever and Chris's coach forever. But to be perfectly honest with you, Dr. Barry, my, my lifetime goal is to get as many people sober as possible. Um, and so I will, I will continue to work uh, with my partners at Ben Baker Recovery. I'll continue to work with you, Dr. Barry. And we have, this is, this is a time in, in our lives and in, in our country and in the world, really, where, you know, opioid use and, and so many things with addiction have now slid under the radar with COVID and everything else that's happening. And now is we need, we need these centers. We need this help more than ever. And, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful uh, to have this opportunity to open these centers. I'm grateful for bouncing back. We're having a golf tournament August 29th. That's going to, that you already talked about that today. We're going to raise some money for, again, some more scholarships to get people into our IOP centers and get them healthy. So yep, and, we, and recovery unplugged is, um, one of the sponsors and, and we're offering a, a 30 day inpatient treatment stay, um, you know, being donated to your foundation. I look forward to um, making it that way. And, and, and hopefully, and I say, hopefully with fingers crossed, you know, I'm getting in as many lessons as I can. I had one yesterday. I'm playing golf on Friday. I, I just don't want to embarrass myself. So <laughs> you better be, you you're gonna you're gonna be great. Dad. Listen, Doctor Ray, you're gonna you're gonna be better than I promise you. There's 50 percent of the people that will be there. But I do I do want to say this: um, it's bouncingbackfoundation.org for those people who yep. wanted it. We had it. Uh, we actually had it pasted yep. across the screen. I know you can't see it. Okay, um, okay. awesome. But all awesome. The, all awesome. the listeners awesome. are able to click on that link, 
And, and I'll say, man, I, you know, I don't know how good you are in golf. You've already beaten me in one-on-one -on -one at our Lake Worth facility. I'm sure you remember that. Um, you know, when, when we balled out, <laughs> yeah. we only played yeah. to one, but you know, you beat me. Um, I, I have the video, a video proof of Vin Baker taking down the good old Dr. Barry on the basketball court that, <laughs> and I'm six foot three inches tall. You really made me look like a shrimp. So, you know, you again, Ben, I just want to say, you know, we are so grateful. Number one, for your time that you've taken on your on your vacation here. I hope you get this much needed R&R &R because it is back to the grind for you on Monday. I'm even happier to say I'll be flying into Milwaukee next weekend yes. on Sunday. I will see you. Yes. In your hometown, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't seen you, I think, since uh, probably it's been almost two years because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and listen, you keep doing what you're doing. Milwaukee has become a breeding ground for coaches to be plucked off the assistant coaching platform and plopped into the, the, the head coaching streams of the NBA. Give a little shout out to our friend Taylor Jenkins. Um, you know, who was an assistant coach by your side, who has now, you know, led the Memphis Grizzlies the last two years, and they had a pretty darn good season last year. So, and Darvin Hill, who's now coaching, shout out to Darvin to the Lakers, yep. with the Lakers. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. That you guys have become yeah. like a, you know, you guys are like the New England Patriots uh, of you know the NBA, where all of those assistants from the new new England Patriots wind up as NFL head coaches. Not all of them with success. Um, yeah. we don't like the Patriots. <laughs> no, we don't, you know, I'm not a big Patriot fan. I'll, I'll leave that for my fellow being new Englanders. There we go. Thank you, Vin. Uh, just hang on Thank the line you, for a second. Ben. We're going to end the okay. show. I just want to talk to you offline for one sec. Greg, sure. take it away, buddy.